1: Welcome back to the show. Today we have Natasha Nurse. She's the owner and co-founder of Dressing Room Eight. Welcome to the show.
2: Hey there. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you're doing is actually really innovative um, and, and pretty cool. But before we get into that, maybe let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm born and raised in uh, Manhattan, New York. So, uh, Yeah, if anyone's familiar with uh, Stuyvesant Town, uh, that's where I grew up. And uh, it's a really, really pretty and kind of quaint area of Manhattan.
1: Very cool. So you went to university. What did you take and why?
2: Yeah, so that's a really interesting question. So (laughs) uh, all my life, I really loved animals. And I think, A, because Animals are, like, super cuddly and cute and all of that, but mostly because I wasn't allowed to have them in my apartment. Ah. So I, like, (laughs) had, like, a craving to be near all furry things so you know all my life if you would have asked me I would have told you I was going to be a writer a dancer a singer a veterinarian a doctor I I was always like super ambitious and so I actually went to Penn State University and I studied my major was animal science and uh and then my minor was agribusiness uh, management so totally different than what I do today
1: okay so you also went to law school. What made you yep. go into law?
2: Okay, so another fun question. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, I love it.
2: But yeah, so my freshman year, I so I graduated high school with like a 4.0. I had a 4.0 for 4 years. I was, you know, the 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 school girl. Like I was all about academics. And so okay. when I went to Penn State, I would have never thought that I would ever not have an A because that was just my academic history, and uh, surprise, surprise, I got my first C ever in life, and I was just like, totally flabbergasted I didn't even know what that was like theoretically I knew what C's were but I didn't like ever <laughs> think that I could have one personally and and I'm really glad for that moment that that teachable moment I would say because it taught me that you know you don't know everything right and that sure. you have to always learn and even when you think you're good at something you can always be better and then I started thinking more and more about what it meant like realistically to be a veterinarian and I I had to have a talk with self and she told me listen this isn't my life you know the first couple of weeks at Penn State I watched a pig get slaughtered in front of me because that's just kind of what happens when you're taking veterinarian classes and uh yeah and and it 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 broke my heart and I realized you know I think I want to play with puppies and kitties I don't think I want to dissect them or treat them it's it's my passion for animals is purely as a pet owner, not as a a physician for them. And so uh, essentially, as I continued on with my studies, I switched gears and went from the pre-vet mode into the business uh, side of things. And then I started taking law classes because I did have family members that were lawyers. And, uh, And I guess to answer the question, I would say, I was following really this expectation of life. I wasn't necessarily doing it for me i was doing it under the guise of you know my family's from jamaica and if anyone knows anything about caribbean culture they're very heavy on like be a professional like you bring your kids here for a better chance in america and your kid becomes a doctor a lawyer professor Uh, an engineer and and so I was following that path of like, well, I should do this because you know being a lawyer is is something that's very proud and and you know your family will be proud of you and excited for you. But was it something that I really wanted? I mean, now thinking back, hindsight is you know twenty twenty, sure. and no, I, I I don't have the personality type for it. Uh, I am a lawyer, but I'm most people are like don't even believe me because yeah, I'm I'm very different from the average. <laughs> Type of lawyer and and I I never really practiced. I had a non traditional legal career anyway, and I think it all worked out because I wasn't intentionally pursuing a career for me. I was following through expectations, and you know usually when you do that, it doesn't yield the outcome that you want for yourself, and and then you live that and you you take the student loans that come with that, and, right, <laughs> and it's, yeah, uh, it's quite a journey.
1: No, interesting. So walk me through your career up until dressing room eight and how did that come to be?
2: Yeah. Okay. So, so went to law school. I had perfect timing. I went to New York law school and I started the year that the economy crashed. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. And
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah perfect timing yes <laughs>
2: perfect timing I was really it couldn't have been better and uh, I tried to not freak out like most of my uh sure. cohorts in that same situation but uh you know it was challenging I I continued to strive and again do my thing at academia I did very well uh and I graduated cum laude and uh unfortunately I when I was. I primarily, I was interested in trust and estates or real, real, real estate law. Those were the two areas that I was most interested in. And I, a, there weren't a lot of interviews that people were getting. And when I did get interviews, it just wasn't a good uh, fit. And for some reason, I think personally, I think the universe was just saying, "Hey, girl, you know, no, <laughs> shift, shift gears." That's awesome. <laughs> and, yeah, and it just. Yeah, you know, it's it's all it's all like, I'm really, I'm really grateful for the whole experience. Because even though I never like actualized kind of what I supposedly intended to do, uh, it, it made me a better person. Law school is a wonderful breeding ground for making you a smarter, more capable or more analytical, better thinking person. Because They try to break you down mentally, spiritually, and everything in between Uh, when you go there. uh, (laughs) Much less financially as well, right? So it's 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 really it's an interesting comedy routine that happens, and uh, (laughs) you, you know I I became. You know, I became a different type of Natasha. I, I grew and I learned, but essentially uh, I then, I ironically got into sales, which okay. I'm really grateful for because uh, people need to understand the power of how to talk to people. People need to understand the power of sales. True. Everyone is selling something or someone, right? Or like you're all selling, even? it's just, it,
1: what did you say? Or or yourself, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah. You're selling something, you're selling yourself. Sales is critical. It's how, how people put food on the table. Like you sure. have to learn the art of sales. So did that. But then again, the inner part of me was like, oh, but I'm, you know, I, I need to do this law thing, right? These expectations, these right should, should that I was following. And so then uh, I did a little bit of document review projects, which is essentially in litigation when people are suing each other, right? Right. Each party has to provide documents. And so who's looking at that? And so there's a whole actually like industry of uh, paralegals and lawyers who are involved in that process. So I kind of jumped into that world of fun. And then again, perfect timing, Hurricane Sandy happened. And uh, if, if you remember, yeah, so yeah. that like washed away literally the projects because buildings were flooded. New York City was a mess. New York was a mess, really. Sure. Like so. Uh, so then I was kind of out of a job there, and then I had the brilliant idea idea of saying, well, you know, I really liked my legal recruiter who staffed me on those projects. I was like, oh, maybe I should do legal recruiting because it kind of combined. I was starting to think a little bit about. What I what I liked in life, but I still it was just kind of responsive instead of proactive. So that situation led to me becoming a legal recruiter, which I, again, understanding how to hire, how to fire, what employers are looking for critical information i've used sure. it ever since uh so did that for a little bit but then i had an opportunity to join a, a bar review company okay. and i and i i was working with them while i was in law school so i was already really familiar with them so went into that opportunity and then december of 2015 yes 2015 uh like i think maybe about two and a half weeks before christmas yeah. then there was a re- reduction uh, a 30% reduction across the country so here we go again the universe was like hey Tasha you think you have a job that's so cute uh no (laughs) so then I I kind of got fed up at that point and was like I'm tired of constantly again reacting to situations instead of proactively defining What do I want out of life? What do what do I need? What is going to make me happy in my career? And that's when I started to explore the idea of entrepreneurship because I said, well, you know, if you if you start to build something for yourself, a there's a certain level of autonomy that is under your control, which I I really felt was missing in my career because again, it was always trying to fit myself into some mold or some box because a, you know, you gotta pay bills, you gotta do this, that, and the other, and you should be doing things. But I was tired of like living life under these shoulds. Right. But what do you want? What, what, what do you need? And, and so if I was going to start a business, it had to be dedicated to something that was near and dear to my heart. So for me, I knew when it came to a skill set what could I offer? What could I do? Well, I've always been a writer. I've always been creating content. I've always been a fan of social media. Fashion was something that was important to me because as a plus-size woman, being bullied, being chastised, being scrutinized in society, that doesn't welcome bigger bodies, that doesn't welcome difference. (laughs) Uh, I used it as an opportunity to kind of build my own confidence and, and create the impression of myself that I wanted so that people could focus on the conversations I'm having or the presentations I'm giving, not what I'm wearing on my body. And and so essentially Dressing Room 8 is a coaching and consulting platform. I started it uh pretty much then and uh back in twenty fifteen. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been a tremendous journey. I do a lot of blogging. I do a lot of public speaking. Uh I coach uh one on one models uh photographers uh people in various creative uh and non-creative careers who are looking to transform something about their business about their platform and then on the consultation side primarily working with people on building their social media putting out content uh, that is more innovative. That resonates more with their audience. And then, you know, other side things I do in addition to that, outside of dressing room mate, I started a podcast called Woken Free with my husband over a year ago. That has been tremendous uh, for our relationship, for uh, the the message that we're putting out there about, you know, what young millennial couples are going through, what people of color of in our age group are thinking about, and what matters to us uh i wrote uh, a chapter in a book i you know i've traveled more i've just i've just been just kind of open to opportunity open to listening to myself and again not the what other people want of you or need of you but what do you want and that's a really long drawn out answer but there you go <laughs> no i
1: no, i i think it's good right and i i think it, the interesting thing that i take out of it is basically you chose one day to just go for it and build a bunch of platforms and tools and do a bunch of things around your passions right and Mm -hmm. making a business out of that and basically controlling your own destiny really Mm -hmm. so absolutely so i'm curious though i want to dive a little bit deeper in when you talk about coaching and, and working with different types of people what types mm-hmm. of stuff do you really like to help people through? I, I know you quickly touched it touched on it, but I want to dive a bit deeper into that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So For me, the coaching that I primarily focus on is accountability. I think a lot of people, when I'm working with other people who are building their businesses, you know, business entrepreneurship is a very kind of solo uh, arena, right? You don't necessarily have a lot of people or it's not a team sport necessarily, especially if it's a small group or an individual like solopreneur kind of. Thing So yeah. being that person who holds other people accountable, if you say you're going to build out a social media calendar or that you're going to pitch yourself to do some more media work, you know, who's holding you accountable for that, right? Is your friends aren't going to really kind of put the whip to it that your your family probably doesn't even understand what, what the heck you're doing. Yeah, so, sure. <laughs> you know, a co- a coach is a really good resource to, to have you be accountable for weekly or daily goals that you said that you're set out to achieve. Uh, I also, focus on helping people own the the idea that like they can pitch themselves a lot of people don't i mean a lot of people actually ask me like oh wow like how do you how do you get like interviews and it's like so you have to send an email right like you have to (laughs) to, like actually yeah (laughs) <laughs> put yourself out it, there. Right. And, and a lot of people don't know that they're like, but what do you mean? Yeah. So hello, my name is right. Like actually working, helping people work through the idea of like, that they can put themselves out there. Because uh, just recently, I, I just came back from uh, Austin, Texas, and was talking about how to build a business with media and was talking about the idea that essentially, you are your brand a lot of times so you have to understand how do you how do you pitch that how do you get yourself out there how do you jump onto podcasts how do you Get on uh, TV or do things like that, and and so uh, helping people craft their story, master storytelling is kind of what I talk about a lot with them, and then also uh, internal organization, right? Uh, sometimes you're you're so busy in the busyness of your business, but you're you're you have to be in your business and then also working on your business, right, at the same time. Sadly, and
0: no fair. So how
2: do you? Right. Like, so how do you carve out time on a weekly basis to to have that reflection and and take a look at analytics, take a look at the money and and figure out, okay, is this is this going well did this was this a good ROI like really focusing on the growth of what you're doing because you can get so caught up with just being busy checking emails got to do these phone calls got to do this networking event but like where is it going where is it leading am i am i is this fitting into the intended plan and again the plan will shift and mold because that's the beauty of business but sure. still you you if you don't plan for success you're you're essentially planning for failure So, you know, really helping people to be their best selves in their business, be confident about what they're doing. And then, you know, for people who are interested in focusing also like, and primarily I would say these are the women clients on the image that they're presenting. You know, how are you dressing for events and meetings? How are you working on the presentation when speaking to people as well? Are you coming to things with the most presence and confidence that you can? And if not, like, let's work on how do we work on our our 30 second pitch of who you are, what do you do, the who, what, when, where, why, and how of you?
1: No, I I, want to get on... To that in a second, but I really want to step mm-hmm. back for a second and recover what you talked about a few minutes ago about uh, I think people overthink a lot of things, and to uh-huh. your point a second ago about actually getting on podcasts or putting out content or just getting things in their career you literally Uh just need to ask and you just need to start sending out emails or making connections or asking others to introduce you. And you know what? 90% of the time it may never lead anywhere, but Uh all you need is it to happen to you one time and it snowballs from there. Right. Uh Uh And it's interesting because I, like I find a lot of guests for the show, basically one of two, well, one of three ways. I figured out early on finding good guests takes a ton of time. So I partnered with a bunch of PR firms in big cities across uh, North America, which send me their guests that I kind of give them a guideline of people. The second way is I still do reach out to the odd person here and there. and But majority of the time, people just send me an email and say, hey, I think I would be a good guest. Here's why. And I would say majority of the time I have them on the show. And like, mm-hmm. and so I, I just kind of wanted to reiterate for that for people, because I think sometimes it's so like mystifying how some of this stuff happens. But <laughs> at the end of the yeah. day, it's literally you just send a quick email. It could be a couple of sentences and a link to your website.
2: Yes, absolutely. Well, so what What I think it comes down to is it, – and it, it, everyone's different, but for, for women at least, you know, there's – women are kind of indoctrinated growing up to, to not be too boastful, right, sure. to not put ourselves out there. So we have to reverse engineer some of these gender-normative, uh, like, horrible behaviors that have yeah. been taught and trained and put into us. So there's people who have to work through that. There's also like a lack of like worthiness. Like, am I worthy enough to be interviewed? Am I special enough? And so, again, if you're in the business to make money, then people have to know what you're doing, right? Because (laughs) (laughs) otherwise, how can they find a website, right? So people have to work through this worthiness issue. And then also, I think that what I like to call it is this hungerness, right? If you're hungry enough to start a business, which takes, you know, cojones, like you yeah. have to, it's not easy. You can't just start. You have to look into what business structure you're doing and all of the logistics of starting a business. And then once you've arrived, how you, like you owe it to yourself to be ferocious, to be a shark and to go out there and say, Hey, look at me. This is what I'm doing. This is my unique proposition. You want to talk about it? Cool. And, and so you have to be hungry enough to, to do that. And people who are, yeah, you're absolutely right. They send out those emails. And I have found as well that like, a lot of people say yes. Like, people would be surprised how many people say yes to you. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, totally. And I, I – I, I... I don't know if it's in media why people feel like they're just going to get shut down all the time or they don't feel special enough because they're not on you know uh television but there's a bigger world outside of tv and there's a yeah. bigger world than than most people think and and yeah it really is it's like do you want it if so send the email if so go on and send those linkedin messages have a call like just say yes to yourself, say yes to opportunity. And the world really is a really opening and unique place for people. But it's, it's just, it starts with that intention. Like, do you want this or not?
1: Yeah, no, totally. So I, I want to touch on the second point there. You, you mentioned about helpful, helping people, uh, dress and, and choose clothes for, for different types of, uh, events and, and things in their lives. Do you want to dive a bit deeper into mm-hmm. that? Cause I think that's super important. And I think, I, I know um, you mentioned uh, women struggle with that, but I think yeah. guys struggle with that as well, right?
2: hmm hmm absolutely. Yeah, I, so for us, I, I would say, well, like, for me, I, I have found fashion... To be a comforting place, I have found fashion to be a bit of a, sa- a savior for me sure. because growing up, I've I've been plus size. Like started gaining weight when I was about six years old, and it was it was traumatic. I was sure. always I was one of the few black kids in my class. I was one of the few plus size kids in in my class, and so the constant the bullying, the the attack, the the mockery, not having a lot of friends, right? And so right. I, I had to figure out well, what was I going to do? And so what I could do is try to. Learn to dress for my body. I have right. a kind of a high-waisted pear shape, so like a bigger bottom. Uh, so anyone who has like the triangle shape, you know, really trying to figure out how do you how do you dress those curves, how do you sure. dress those wide hips, all those kind of things, and and it can be frustrating because uh, sadly we live in a world where you know sixty what seven percent of women are plus size in the, in the United right. States, yet I think less than uh, I think less than twenty percent of retailers cater to us. So so th- that math never made sense and it never will uh, sure. b- uh, but we we do have more brands and companies now diving in and are like oh it's a 21 a 20 point one billion dollar industry oh I guess we can make money so <laughs> now they want they want them checks so' course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're coming through which is good again whatever it takes to, to get everyone uh, serviced is, sure. is all I'm what I'm about but uh, you know you have to you have to spend time and attention and understand what is your signature style? What are colors that work well for your skin color or your skin tone? What are what are types of, of dressing, you know, are, is a maxi dress good for you? Understanding, and, and it, it, essentially it means you have to invest time and energy and money in figuring out what works for you. So you've sure. got to try subscription box companies. You know, I'm a big fan of like Dia & Co. I'm a big fan of, you know, uh, of companies also that do consignment, like style for it, right? Like also if you're into eco-friendly, so figuring out, you know, what are your personal preferences? Some people prefer preppy. Some people like every different style, every different type of body type, It, it, it just requires time and energy. But once you do, it gives you a level of confidence. It gives you a level of comfort. You know, once you identify, okay, these are the 10 brands I can shop with, at least for this year, you know, you know where to go. It saves you more time. And it also helps you to define the brand itself because when people are looking at you, so for instance, if you are, say, in, you know, maybe you're in a holistic business or you do yoga, right? So you want to make sure that you have really good athletic wear because when people see you running down the street or going and doing retreats and events, people, the first thing they do is they look at what you're wearing. It's, yeah. the, it's the first thing people do. They look you up and they make an assessment. Yeah. So what is that go- assessment going to be very much will come down to not only what you're saying, not only what you're wearing, but also how you're just standing in, in your truth. So, you know, being confident, being uh, assured in, in the clothing you choose can help you not only build uh you know a reputation for yourself in the way that you want, but it also can be give you more business right when you seem more confident and happy and uh excited in in your life people are attracted to that people are very very much attracted to confidence it's you know why we called Beyonce Queen Bee right it's not because she's shy and you know introverted sure. I mean <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: yeah. you know she, yes.
2: when Beyonce walks into the room you're not only excited as Beyonce but you're like wow what is she wearing right because her fashion is an element of her her slayage right what makes her queen be so you know it's a it's a big part of the package and and you're absolutely right it's not just women it's men who me and my husband will talk about this as well he'll like try to bounce off oh should I wear this and and it is funny to me because I would I I guess because as a woman I have always just thought like women spend more time thinking about what we're wearing but no yeah like the guys you guys are like well I don't know and what do we well (laughs) I it's it's
1: interesting yeah I I think the struggle at least for me is I don't really like the suit and tie and I work at a startup, so I'm not expected to wear that. So basically, you know, the typical jeans and a hoodie or or a flannel shirt, that kind of thing. Um, Yeah. But, but the thing is, is that it's the times that you actually have to dress up um, Um. and maybe put on a suit and tie. And I find, well, my biggest struggle with that is finding something that doesn't look like, the stereotypical suit. Like, I don't want something that looks, like, grungy or something, but I want something Uh, that uh looks, like, dressed up and grown up, for lack of a better term for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I don't
1: want it to also look like the exact same thing everybody else is going to be wearing at that event or whatever I'm going to. So even if it's, like, the pockets are cut different, or there's maybe, like, a third pocket on the jacket that's a bit smaller, like, Mm. little things that are kind of just set something apart, I find I struggle with that in just me personally, right? And obviously it's easier for me to shop or even day to day if I had to wear a suit. I think you you just, you walk down, you know, a downtown of any major city and all the guys look the same because they're basically all wearing different shades of the same (laughs) types of suit, right? Yeah. And so, but girls, it's a lot harder because you're expected to wear Different outfits every day and make sure they look different. So, where guys, I think, can get away with maybe wearing the same suit or the same suit once a week or maybe whatever, right? I think it's a lot easier for yeah. guys. But I think we do struggle sometimes when there's like those one offs where you have to dress maybe like a grown up or something, and and that's where I get intimidated anyway.
2: Interesting. Have you tried the Amazon uh, kind of a box? service that they offer where you can kind of try out clothes and then because my husband tried that and he really liked that that like you know you buy what you keep and you know send back what you don't want
1: i i i heard about it and i read about it i haven't actually tried it I, i should though you're you're right i've yeah no interesting so,
2: yeah, I, I I get a lot of clothes as well on Amazon. I think Amazon is a wonderful reto- uh, like repository of clothing and okay. options, and I totally agree with you. The, the details matter, right? The detail yeah. is what, again, it, it puts that finishing touch on it. It allows you to feel differentiated from things. Also, you know, trying out vintage options. I yeah. know some people, you know, it's not all, sometimes, again, it, it requires more time. It's not about maybe you can't find everything in one place, but, you know, trying out new things. Uh, things. And uh, yeah, I I think Amazon, you should definitely check it out, I would say. Yeah, no, that's good advice. There's no even fee, I think, when you try it, which is kind of really interesting.
1: That is interesting. So I'm curious, though, because obviously clothes range from if you get something from uh, maybe secondhand store from a few dollars to hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. Is there a rough range that you recommend to people or, or does it really more matter on size and fit of the clothes or or what's your thoughts around how much money you actually need to spend to make yourself look good and, and feel confident?
2: That's a great question. So it's going to come down to both. So I do think budget is important. And so, you know, someone who is, has, uh, you know, making six figures and has thousands of dollars of discretionary income per month is going to shop different than someone who has a more modest lifestyle, right? So you're going to think about your budget and how much you like to spend, but for women, especially, but all people, men and men need to think about this as well. Fit is everything, right? Because whether you're wearing something that's hundreds of dollars or it's $10. If it doesn't fit your body well, it's not doing you any justice. So I think you really want to focus in on understanding your body type, how things need to fit on you. Do you need to get things tailored? A lot of times if you're petite or you have certain dimensional things about your body that you you know, that make clothing a little bit more uh, tricky. You know, you have to invest in having tailoring for every piece, and that adds, you know, a couple extra bucks onto every item itself. I think you also need to think about uh, the – the arena for what you're dressing for, right? Like a lawyer in a conservative, like kind of uh, buttoned up law firm dresses very differently than a kindergarten teacher, right? Or or someone at a startup. So, you know, what's the culture for which you're dressing for? And then, you know, what type of, fashion uh style do you have in the sense of like do you like to wear new things all the time like my husband jokes and says you know like i have like six months of clothes where i can dress and not have to like wash my clothes (laughs) (laughs) because i have so many different clothes right because i i don't like to wear the same thing all the time again when you're for me if i'm getting photographed or i'm doing things i like to to, you know, live it up and, and have different options. But some people are more like the, you know, uh, you know, white t-shirt, blue jeans every day. They're totally okay with, uh, that kind of, uh, uh, consistency. So you have to decide what, you know, how frequently do you need different looks for yourself and constantly exploring. So I would say if you're really interested in honing in on your signature style, you really, you also want to think about also working with stylists. Like I just did an in inter- a couple of interviews with um, some, a stylist, 3.44 uh, PM and uh, her name is Monisha Kapoor. And she was talking about, you know, the value of working with someone who that's what they do, right? Like that's, all that they do every sure. day, all day, and so working because some people don't want to don't want to invest time in their style and and their and their fashion. So if you don't want to do it, then you need to pay to have someone kind of understand your person your fashion personality, and then supply kind of the clothes to you so that you can try it on. Works doesn't work, and then you know work it that way.
1: Yeah, no, that that's actually quite interesting. The the thing that I I kind of want to follow that up then on is how important, uh-huh. and it probably really depends on industry, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, about actually getting kind of brand name stuff. Because sometimes,
0: no. in my opinion,
1: you can spend hundreds of dollars on something, but if it doesn't look good or doesn't fit your style, but it's Gucci uh-huh. or hot I don't know. I'm not really a big fashion person. Clearly, you could probably guess that by talking to me. But um, <laughs> if if you're wearing these brands that are well-known that you, you clearly spend a ton of money on, if it doesn't look good on you or doesn't fit you properly, it's not really helping you. Is, is that fair to say?
2: I I would, I would agree with that in one regard, but then, you know, I think that I think that works for like the average person. Right. But then, you know, there's this like celebrity culture, right. Where I, I, where you said maybe depends on the industry. I think that's also correct because I think that, you know, the, the Kim Kardashians, the, you know, the, the, the celebrity athletes of the world, they're kind of expected to rep that type of clothing or those types of brands. So I think the average person you're, I think the stance of like, if it, doesn't work well for you it doesn't matter if it's a if it's a you know a high high posh brand i think that that that's a true statement but then depending upon your industry there are and and so that's where you have to decide are you dressing for others or are you dressing for yourself i always recommend dressing for you because life is too short not to do things for you you know you will regret living for others in any way or segmentation of your life so you know I think celebrities, maybe they do enjoy the Gucci's and the this and that. I don't know. You'd have, you know, we'd have to talk to them and, and really see, because part of me thinks they are doing it because you're supposed to, because you're a celebrity, right? You're supposed yeah. to have gold chains. If you're a rapper, you're supposed to have all these tattoos. If you're, you know, And <laughs> but maybe, maybe they, so, you know, it's kind of like, is art reflecting life, life reflecting art? I, you know, I, I, I don't know, but I think ultimately if you don't like it, if it doesn't make you feel Powerful and capable and happy in your life and in in wa- while wearing it, then you shouldn't wear it because it doesn't matter if you spent a bunch of money on it or everyone knows. Oh, that's like the newest or most exclusive sneaker that's been come that came out. Like, who cares if it if it hurts? It hurts. Like, yeah, I'm, I personally recommend style and comfortability is it's not mutual mutually exclusive they always go hand in hand if it doesn't work for you if you don't like it don't buy it you know someone else will so yeah, it's, it's, it's all about just you know making sure that you're comfortable because if you're comfortable you're confident if you're confident you can focus on work articulating your message to the world because ultimately yes what we wear is important but what we say has real impact and real uh, meaning in this
1: world. Sure. No, I, I, I agree. And I think certain industries you're kind of expected to own or shop maybe mm-hmm. or have certain clothes from certain types of stores just because in in a lot of cases, at least to some people in that industry, it shows if you're successful or not, right? For better or worse. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, Because well, I I think the perfect example is if your lawyer shows up in kind of this rusted, barely drivable car compared to some sort of luxury car, uh, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and that's just kind of who we are, right, as a society, for better or worse, sometimes. And it's the trust factor, right? I I guess.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, it is. It it may because people are people sometimes can be more superficial than than needed. But what's interesting is if we looked into the data, most millionaires are not living yeah. in like these millionaire mansions, right? Like if yeah. you look at people and what, what wealth planning really dictates, it's 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 about saving and it's about investing and it's not in depreciable assets like vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's about Really understanding the value of what money really is to you—it's a tool, so you have to use it well. And there's like a Jamaican proverb that says, "You know, save money and money saves you." Like that—that that you really—it's yeah. it's, you know, if you're if you're trying to really succeed at life, it's not about spending all your coins. It's really about understanding what type of financial planning is good for you and your household and your family. And yeah, of course you can treat yourself, but like if you're a fan of like Dave Ramsey, you know he's a he he's a big proponent of cash, right? Yeah. Like you can buy whatever you want in life on your cash. So yeah, <laughs> if yeah, you yeah. can't buy it with cash, then I guess you shouldn't have it. And yeah. so, you know, so yeah, go ahead and get those Gucci glasses for three grand in cash. Right. And yeah. and if people started to think about that, We would I think we would shift how we shop, we would shift how we look at opulence and and wealth. And it's it's not always about the pretty shiny thing, but it's about does it work? Right? Does it get you from point A to point B? And that needs to be good enough, not just, you know, how much glitter factor is involved.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I I agree. And it's interesting because the I, I know like a few really wealthy people that I've known, like we grew up together and their family's like very well off, like private jet well off and it's mm-hmm. funny because like their his dad drives like a simple car like an SUV his mom drives like a minivan for a number of years and you know they could literally they have a bunch of houses all over but if you look at them or I've been over to their house on like a saturday morning and his dad's in these like bleached kind of sweatpants and like the neck the neck's like <laughs> the shirt's all faded and the neck's like fraying and it's kind of larger than it should be and you're like Maybe it's time to throw those out and, and upgrade the the pajamas. But, you, you know, like yeah. it's kind of a weird thing. But it's the people that seem to get a little bit of money. They need to get all, like basically max out their credit cards and make the minimum mm-hmm. payments on everything they own. And I'm not trying to be mean to the people that do that. I'm just trying to give the people that are trying to aspire to have those things talk about the realities of what those people are going through. And some people can handle and want to, have that lifestyle but some people don't realize Mm -hmm. that like are you fine making minimum payments on a lot of those things and stressing out because if you lose your job you lose all that and it's gone right yes
2: yes Absolutely. That's exactly for us as well. Like why? Like I, so I live in New York, but I will not be living in New York forever. I'm, I'm planning to move to uh, sure. another part of the country. I'm moving to Arizona, actually, uh, not too long from now. And and a part of it, a big part of it is just the expense. New York yeah is a, you know, an unforgettable city. And I'm from here, my husband's from here, we will always be New Yorkers as a part of our identity. But, you know, to live in a city and you knowingly know that you could live a a cheaper, (laughs) more enjoyable experience elsewhere, like, what do you do are you do you continue to be here cuz you should do it again it always comes back to this expectations right like who are you living for what is the best decision for you and sometimes i think even people choose to live in cities just because it's it's glamorous right there's a lot of yeah. things that happen in new york or la but if you can't afford it if you're living paycheck to paycheck you know you got to think about is this is this the right decision for you right it's the same thing as your fashion is this the you know just because i can put it on a credit card should i right is that really is that impression you know a, a part of what you really want or you know what are what would be an alternative decision that would be more authentic to what's good for your wallet what's good for uh, the the bigger plan that you have for yourself
1: yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And I, I think the other t- thing, too, that people should maybe consider, to your point, is if you live somewhere else and your cost of living's a lot less, you have the ability to travel. Because I, I know I, I spent, uh, like, a summer down in L.A. and I had a great time. and uh-huh. But when you live in a city, eventually you only do a handful of things. You only go, you know, a handful of miles from... Where you kind of live on on a day to day basis, and a lot of people, and I, mm-hmm. I know people that move to say San Francisco and they just struggle to get by. It's like, oh, you must do this and that and this and that, and they're like, I haven't done any of that because <laughs> I can't afford to do any of that. Right? Where if you mm-hmm. visit San Francisco because you you can save money to actually go and enjoy some of these cities that you get to travel to. Sure, maybe only travel for a week or two, but if you get to do all the stuff that you want to do in those cities, and you maybe you go back once a year, every few years, and do other mm-hmm. things or tr- like, is that better or worse? It, it's not really my call, mm-hmm. but it's you, it's something to think about, right?
2: Definitely, definitely, yeah. for For us, we just yeah we're we were just thinking that it's just like you know New York is getting out of ha- out of hand. I just saw like on a news reporting. I think the median average home cost here is about four hundred fifty five thousand dollars a year, and that's. I don't know. I mean, if, if you come out here and you see that, I just think that that's like in Long Island, at least that's crazy because that's probably only getting you maybe three, maybe three or four bedrooms, two baths. It's not, you know, knocking you off your feet here. It's, it's just kind of the regular, right. maybe probably a little bit above a starter home. You know what, four hundred fifty-five thousand dollars would get you in other parts of this country. Yeah. You could have a mini mansion. Yeah. You know, in in Atlanta, you could you could live very well. And I totally agree with you. That's a fabulous idea. Like, why not live in an affordable affordable place and then travel? to the cities that really excite you. And, and yes, yeah, set your week up to do theater and to do these, these t- different types of things that you always want to do and actually get it done. Cause I, I, I agree with you. I live in New York and I do not, do not enjoy the full Monty of what New York can bring you because it's just, just getting into the city is just super expensive. So it's sure. just, it's it's something to think about. It's, yeah. I think, you know, but uh, I was just listening to a thing by uh, Kevin Hart. A lot of people just don't understand finance. They don't understand debt. And so they just make these decisions because, again, right, if you're not taught it and you don't have a hunger to go out and learn it, then what do you do? You you do what, what what's around you, right? And if your parents aren't kind of financially savvy, then most likely you're not gonna be financially savvy unless you have the prerogative to go out and learn what that means and, and read and learn from the, the Dave Ramseys, the Susie Orman, the Tony Robbins of the world, right? If you don't yeah. go out and get that information then you're stuck being another generation of making the same mistakes over and over again. And that's how we have the divide between the first per- one percenters of yeah. this country and then everybody else.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting too, right? And I also think too that people think that if they attain X amount more money a year or X amount of wealth, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. their problems will go away. And it's like, it's different problems. Right, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I read a really good book. I, I the name escapes me, but it, it basically talks about um, this guy was like a wealth manager for very high net worth individuals. Like they had to at least have a couple hundred million dollars in uh, like mm-hmm. of assets before he would take them on as a client. And he outlines their problems of their lifestyle. And in in a lot of cases, you start thinking, wow, like money caused a lot of problems between. Uh, immediate families, where like money got them divorced, and their kids turned out to to be not great people because they were spoiled and mm-hmm. didn 't really realize and you don 't think about all these kind of side effects of potentially getting all this money and not saying that happens every time, but it 's not always this rainbows and everybody's happy and and life 's great it, it can cause so much unneeded stress and grief right that sometimes people Absolutely. end up going to live simpler.
2: Absolutely. Well, yeah, I forget the study that's out there, but it says that like once you hit around, I think 77 or $78,000 a year, the happiness like that is achievable through wealth or money doesn't really change. So yes, you can go on and make more than that. But like once, once people achieve kind of enough money to live and have like that little extra, yeah. it's, it's, it's about the experiences. It's about the moments in life, right? I think that's why I think they say that like with millennials, that like the millenn- millennial spending has been focused more on like experiences and not, sure. necessarily, not necessarily just things. Because, you know, when we, when we think about big term, like a big picture of our lives, you know, you're not going to remember all the things you bought, but you're going to remember that the time and, and the, the unique travel experiences you had, or, you know, when you started a business and it, and it did grow and how that experience was for you. Like, it's about the moments that we take with us and that, you know, we go and transition with. It's not, it's not yeah. about the Gucci. It's not about the Mercedes. Like, yeah. I love those things too but you know just really understanding like what are we here for right and so it's sure. the same idea you know why people are so angry with like diet culture because it's like really are we here in life to learn how to just lose weight every year and that's you know get in bikini season like bikini season is that really the purpose of life no like the purpose of life is to really figure out like who you're gonna be that type of self-discovery journey that we're on and then how can we make this place a better arena for for the next generation which is why kids nowadays are so angry about all the environmental issues because our our current day powers at be are not thinking too much in advance for what what needs to be done right for for 50 60 years from now what will planet earth be right and that's an important conversation for the youngsters because they're going to be alive we're not going to be alive for that so you know and and so that's you have to think big picture and and kind of past just the short-term gain of things
1: no, it's interesting, right? And and then even just working with the clients that you work with to kind of break down mm-hmm. those artificial barriers, right? In in all the different mm-hmm. verticals, right? I I think is actually really quite interesting because so many people are their worst enemy and they think they need some of this stuff to be successful in other people's eyes, which is it's like, mm-hmm. well, you need to be successful in your own eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever that means.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But it's it's about forcing people to get really real and honest with themselves, which is not something that's taught in school. This is, sure. you know, something that you learn later in life. And so what does it mean? You have to reverse engineer a lot of the the, the stuff that's been drilled into you. And so yeah, it's really what does success mean? Like write it out as a definition for yourself, right? Because for some people it's literally coming home and seeing their kids to bed. Yeah. Right. That's that's a successful day or life for them for others. It is acquiring and amassing massive wealth and, and building empires. And that's, cool like we all have our own definitions and our definitions are multifaceted and multi-parted but we have to define it for ourselves because we can only back into that if we know what we're backing into so i think yeah it really does come to kind of what do you want who do you want to be in this world and and then you know building out and and having things flow from that clarity that you set for yourself
1: no, I I totally agree. You've mentioned a podcast a couple of times. What's the podcast yeah. calls and called, and what do you and your husband talk about?
2: Yeah. So Woken Free started uh, in uh, twenty. What are we? Twenty Yeah. Twenty seventeen. Now. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. Congrats! That's, <laughs> and, uh, that's awesome thank you yeah it started uh i did it on my birthday we launched it yeah on well, my 31st birthday okay. and uh and i'm 32 turning 33 so if yep, that makes sense sure. and uh <laughs> we uh we you know we he's always been just like he's my best friend i met him freshman year of penn state and nice. we've been together ever since it'll be about 15 years in wow. september congrats. together and yeah and thank you in six years of marriage this week actually and uh, congrats and <laughs> that's awesome thank you yeah <laughs> and you know my my you know, he's my best friend, I mean, my favorite person, and he always has, he's been super excited, kind of the discovery that I've had for myself and through business and media for Justin Romain and we just got to stop talking and and for us like I call myself a bit of like an intellectual lover like I you know I really love conversations as you can tell right like I can talk good. for the end of time and <laughs> and I do this with him and we have these really elaborate conversations like two o'clock in the morning we're like talking about like theology and spirituality and, and fashion and technology and everything everything and ever anything that that matters to, to us individually and as a couple and we we were like you know we should we should put this out in media and put this out in the world because a you know the the conversation of like is love dead is a terrible notion to be in love is one of the most meaningful things you can ever achieve in your life like sure. finding my husband and, and being in love will be one of the if not the most significant thing I have ever done in my life <laughs> so no, that's very you know, cool. love, yeah you know love has really it's it's been just a rock and a a, a steady boat for me to just exist in and have a sense of security in. And, and so we wanted to put that out that like, love is not dead guys. And then of course, as well, being both people of color, you know, I think that there's not enough representations of like black couples that are successful and happy and, and that actually like each other, that don't throw things at each other in public. Like (laughs) we wanted to put that image out there and then also talk about the value of like, when we talk, about things in media what we what khalil and i were both frustrated with is that you know people will have a lot of thoughts and opinions on things but i don't necessarily know if if people line up the conversation fully meaning when you talk about something in politics or you talk about something in religion do we define it do we talk like give people a little bit of context. So we call our podcast woke and free because we want to get people woke, awakened essentially on, on a concept, on a topic, right. When we talk about something in, you know, like we've, and we talk about everything. We talk about media, we talk about technology, we talk about politics, food, we talk about sex, we talk about uh, love, relationships, uh, history, uh, everything. And we always want to give people some understanding. What are some articles out there that you can read that give you a little bit of context about things right. and then get into the, the opinion piece, right? So, And that way you are educated, you're woke, and then you're, you're free to make a decision. You're free to decide. You agree with us, you don't agree with us, you agree with your partner, you don't agree with your partner. And we want people to have healthy conversations, I think some of the saddest things i see now in media is that people are so tribal and and so you either agree with them or or you're dead and you're and and that's like that's not healthy right with with how people are conversating now
1: well and you and the other thing i find too and i'm curious to get your thoughts is people like whether you agree with somebody or not that's kind of irrelevant to my point it's some people just don't even understand the other person's side So if you lo- if man. you're a morning person and i'm a night person which which i am but
0: mm-hmm. the
1: fact that it's almost like the that person can't comprehend that other people would be morning per- people and it's like well and if we'll you're man. something why can't somebody be the complete opposite of you for better or worse in in whatever mm-hmm. topic right that's always kind of fascinated me is how like people can't even think yeah. or understand about the complete opposite opinion of, of theirs right and try to understand where that opposition is coming from for good or bad on any issue.
2: Absolutely. I think people, it's a, it's a value of like, well, why can't you just think like me, right? Yeah. And it's its this lack of compassion, this lack of appreciation for difference. You know, as a person of color, I'm a woman, I'm, a, I'm plus size, I'm black. Uh, so, you know, I walk around with a lot of uh, identifiers that make me different. So sure. I personally feel I have a lot of compassion for difference because I have to constantly defend and or d- uh, describe and or educate people on the differences that I walk around with right. as those are Part of my identifiers. But I, I agree with you, there are a lot of people who aren't exposed to enough difference. So it's just one. It's just their way or no way, and they they don't they don't even understand like you're saying the idea of difference and why it's okay to be a morning person or it's okay to be a night person or it's okay to be uh, you know democratic or republican or independent. Like sure. we all have different identifiers, and I think that if we could take a moment to understand and appreciate how wonderful that is, that we're in such a diverse time in history that we could we could take the time. To to get well, what does it mean to be a night person? What does it mean to 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 be different and and get their perspective? And whether you agree or disagree, that's your yeah, you're absolutely right. That's their their position. It doesn't it doesn't really matter to the other person. But just just hear other people out. We're not hearing each other enough, and it's and it's creating uh, a worse America. It's creating a worse culture for our children to see adults behave the way that they are doing in the homes, in public. It's 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 really breeding a lot of the hatred and negativity in this world, actually.
1: No, I 100 percent agree with you, and it, it sounds like you guys are basically just trying to put out some positivity in the world and, and getting people to yeah. think, right? And yeah, I think that's amazing. I, I think that's great. But thank
2: you. So- yeah, we've we've had a lot of fun doing it, and I think it challenges people, right? Sure. We talked about like colorism right colorism is a huge issue and when it comes to people of color not just black people hispanics indians every every marginalized person can have an understanding of that and like let's talk about it right and let's talk about how we're seeing it in film and and also our internalized issues with it we both come from families where our parents uh, our, our mothers are both very light skinned uh, black women. And what were the complications and, and, and sort of judgments and criticism that lay onto your children that, that, that we both have to have dealt with? And, and how, do, how does that affect our black identity? And, and so really just talking about things that we've dealt with in our past things that we're curious about certain things in the future we've talked about time what it is as a construct what, you know we talk about money we've talked about things that we that we're reading about that we're learning about and we're bringing it to the forefront and we're asking people take a moment get educated and make a free decision on on it and 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 decide to have this and and take this conversation and talk about it in your home talk about it with your friends get the more that we can learn the I think Marie Curie has a phrase that says something like you know the more that we understand the less we fear yeah. and I think that 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 the, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of anger and, and animosity going on and it's simply because we just don't understand enough and yeah. even when we think we understand we don't <laughs> oh, totally. like, there's always something to learn and another way to see something so we just yeah we just encourage people to think a little bit more to learn a little bit more and to be open to to the conversation and to the possibility of another opinion and another viewpoint
1: no that i think that's really great but sadly we're out of time so let's close yeah. the show with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself dressing roommate the podcast and any other links you want to mention
2: Absolutely. Thank you. So again, thank you for having me. You can learn more about me and dressing roommate by going to dressingroomthenumber room, eight.com. And there you can find the social media handles, Facebook, it's DR8 fashion on Instagram. It's dressing underscore room underscore the number eight. If you're interested in the podcast, go to woke. W O K E N F R E E dot com, woken free. And then there again, you'll find us woken free, all one word on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. And then if you want to email me, Natasha at dressingroom, the number eight dot com. Uh, and yeah, I just thank you again for having me and, and having a really cool conversation.
1: Well, thanks for doing it and uh, have a good rest of your day and we'll talk soon. Thanks. You right. too. Thanks. Bye.
0: Bye